Hi, my name is Justin Odisho. Welcome back to my podcast. On today's episode of the show, we have serial entrepreneur, co-founder of some interesting companies in the blockchain and cryptocurrency technology space, and host of his own podcast and YouTube channel, Amir Rosick. Amir is currently working on a project called Dollar Cake, which is looking to explore some alternative forms of monetization, specifically for YouTube creators. So in this conversation, we talk all about YouTube monetization, some of the problems and some of the interesting ideas he's building on his app. In the second half of the conversation, we get into some ideas about online education in general, the value of college, whether college is worth it or not, and just some other interesting ideas about business, books, and life in general. Quick preface, Amir does like to swear. There is going to be swearing in this episode, strong opinions, but I think it's very interesting and I hope it'll spark some ideas and get you thinking as well, whether you agree with everything or not. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. For anyone who's wondering, let's get into YouTube monetization and like uh, how that breaks down. So for anyone that's wondering right now, like YouTube's always been changing it. When I started YouTube in 2010-ish, it was not public monetization. Like Google AdSense was a private thing. I just was posting for fun. And then I think the year after I started, 2011, 2012, they opened up, open Google AdSense for everyone, right? That was cool. And then now recently in the past couple of years, they've been kind of restricting it again. Now you need a certain, I think I thought like 4,000 hours. It's more than that. It's so there's a, a couple of issues with the Google monetization right now. Um, and you just meant like the first minimal variable to enter is a thousand subscribers and 4,000 public view times, which makes sense from advertisers because content creators have to understand why on earth should me, and I I've been on all spectrums. I'm a creator, I'm an advertiser and I run a company. So I've spent shit ton of money on YouTube ads in my lifetime. So I'm sitting on all different chairs. So I understand all different angles. So let, let's say you're a brand new creator. Why on earth should an advertiser even put its ads on your platform? or on your channel, it makes no sense. So there is a kind of a filtration uh, a mechanism that you YouTube put in place. The issue I would say as of late, maybe the last two, three years, actually I would say four years, it started when Donald Trump was elected. Um, YouTube has become cable TV in a nutshell. If you look at the people who are spending the most money on Google right now, primarily YouTube is actually cable networks. So Fox News, CNBC, uh, all, you name all the big channels. They're the number one contributor when it comes to paying money into the Google uh, ad network. The issue is this. So niches matter. So finances are the most. Beauty and cosmetic, you make some good money. Obviously, supply and demand, depending on you know CPC costs for ads. The issue is uh, for the since since last four years. It's not black and white where it's like, hey, uh, we're demonetizing you because that's kind of straightforward. It's like, all right, Justin and Amir, this video is not monetizable. I get it. I'm not making any money off of it. Cool. Whatever. It's your platform. You're a private company. I don't give a shit, man. People complain. At the end of the day, YouTube's a private company. That's it. Like, go build something better. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's difficult, but I'm just saying, right? Okay. Um, What's the nefarious thing happening? I'm going to say nefarious, but what people don't see, and I always give it to the uh, boiling frog analogy, right? Slowly takes time until you realize it's too hot. Like, oh shit, we're for dinner. Is I call it, it's more or less suppressing your videos 
and putting down the actual reach, therefore decreasing your monetization. So if you look at the cross spectrum of all the different niches on YouTube, you look at the organic reach compared to even four years ago, on average, across all different niches, across all YouTubers, they're only making about $4 a CPM right now. So if you break that down, if it's like a thousand views for $4 based on how many views that you need, based on the time that you put into video, is it even worth it for the majority of people? Yeah. And that's one thing I talk about in, on some of my videos, like alternate forms to earn revenue, right? Because a thousand views or 10,000 or a million views, like YouTube will pay you one, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars for a million views. But in reality, if you're able to get some, your message out to a million people and just, you know, sell your own product like 20 times, that's already mm -hmm. more. Um, so you're, you touched on a lot of things that I think are interesting. Let's say like the average person who isn't, doesn't have a seat in all ends, like you're a creator, you've spent money. I've done both sides a little bit. Um, first of all, yeah. Like why would an advertiser even want to spend money to put an ad in front of a video? Cause ultimately they want to sell their product or, or promote their message. Um, so this, so where does, what you're building come like you saw this problem where does that come into you decided to build a web app to i built build, i literally built it to solve my own problem so for the let's rewind for the last yeah. couple of years many blockchain alternative platforms have arisen and they're all cool and unique. You have like minds.com. I know the founders, great guys. You have BitChute, you have library, you have all these different ones. And they're all trying to do something a little bit different. Okay. Let's not even talk about monetization right now. Let's take that out of the equation. It's very difficult for these standalone islands to compete with the second biggest search engine in the world. Even if you take monetization away, even let, let's say, let's say we line up a hundred YouTubers in front of us, long tail. We're not talking about the Logan Pauls and, you know, the PewDiePies. We're talking about 60,000 subs, a hundred thousand subs. Even then they're not really getting making that much money from YouTube. Maybe they're making a thousand, two thousand dollars a month. It's not like, like, oh, I'm rolling in fucking cash. Maybe it pays down the car payments or something like that. Right. If we line them up and say, Hey, we're going to take away your monetization. I guarantee you 99% of them will still stay on YouTube. For the organic reach it's very very this is what people forget you youtube first is a search engine then a video platform second it's not the other way around it's not a video platform then a search engine it's a search engine then it, that's only way that's the reason why their fucking ad network works it's first a search engine then a video platform okay now you have these blockchain alternatives which is like it, it's a mind fuck for people to even understand it wait a second like i uh I need to have a wallet. I need to do this. I need to do that. What's going on? I kind of don't get it. It's kind of slower because obviously they don't have the capital to have proper servers around the world. It's decentralized, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not getting any reach over here. And if they do have a token, it's like I'm putting all this work over here, but it's not the proper audience over here. I'm only earning a couple of pennies. It's not worth my time. And so that's the thing. People have to compete with the second biggest search engine in the world and the highest and best converting ad engine in the world is YouTube ads, hands down. Compared to Facebook ads, even compared to like Google ads, it's obviously niche dependent. It all depends on your niche, but let's talk about finances and let's talk about health products, which I'm quite familiar with. YouTube hands down, best conversion. When I look at my, when I look at my cost per click and I look at my CAC, 
divided by my LTV for my clients or customers. Hands down, YouTube is best conversion LTV for any customer. Yeah, it's a little bit more money, but hands down, they spend the most. I get the best conversions on that. Okay. And yes, you have to fight Google ad network all the time. What, what you're allowed, what you're not allowed, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, man, I'm so bullish on Web3, on it becoming the dominant form of technology in the future. But I'm also in the camp of Bill Gates talks about where it's not overnight a new technology comes and supersedes an old technology. It takes time for this new technology to oversee old technology. And so there is a period of time when there's a hybrid version of both. So it's like, hey, I got something better. All of a sudden, everybody jumps ships from Web 2, Web 3. And this is a big jump. It's not like a small jump. Web 3 is quite different than Web 2. And I was looking for a very long time to invest in something that has a lot of similar features to YouTube, but also focuses on search first as opposed to being a video platform. I couldn't find anything. Then I started talking to my buddy who's an amazing engineer. He's been in the space for a long time, started multiple tech companies, and we started brainstorming, talking about it. And one of my favorite success stories when it comes to tech companies is Honey, the plugin, uh, the founder, Ryan. Yeah. So if you guys aren't familiar with Honey, it's a simple browser plugin that aggregated coupon codes on to get cheaper Amazon products. And I use it the minute it came out because I don't know about you, but as soon as I see a coupon at the checkout, I go to Google. And I'll search for that fucking coupon. Yeah. And so they might lose me for temporarily, right? So you, you never, never, ever, ever want to disrupt the buying process. So if I'm at the checkout, you don't want me to leave the checkout. I'm there. Yeah. I'm engaged. I got my credit. The, the very notion that I got my credit card out and I'm going to buy something, but then I'm, I'm interrupted by the fact that I might save 20%. Eh. And so basically, Honey aggregated, went to open API, started scraping the web and started aggregating coupon codes for the end user to save money. Now this is a win-win for everybody. It's a win for Amazon because Amazon's increasing the sales or total people using it. It's a win for advert. It's a win for the merchants, even though the merchants might be selling their product for cheaper, but they're selling more of it. And it's a win for honey. And so I like the simplicity of it where it's like, I'm not building the network. I'm helping a pre-existing network out. Yeah. It always stuck to me and it was a plug and they sold for PayPal for $4 billion. That's crazy. I mean, you mentioned yeah. a lot of things that, that I think, so as a YouTuber myself, I've gotten these type of messages from people, especially, you know, in during, there's been different hype cycles of different, you know, blockchain or cryptocurrency solutions. I've had people say, Hey man, why don't you come post your videos to DTube or Steam and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in my mind uh, is exactly what you said. Like, all right, I'm all for like the decentralized, whatever, but come on. Like if I post my video there, it's not going to get any traction and like, it's well, you're not like, spending time. The community's not there. It's not like you're like, oh my God, all the all the organic search is there. All the eyeballs are there. It's not. And that's yeah. the reality. Until, until some of these Web3 platform, whoever, somebody in the Web3 space needs to first focus on building a search engine. Well, can you explain uh, like what is Web2, Web3? What is this? What is Web3? Okay. Instead of diving into technicalities, which I think it's useless sure. for people, let's just talk about like the first principle, like general idea. So we had web one, which we can call like intranet, where we had networks connected together that were, were dependent on each other and they had one channel line of communication. Then we have web two, which we have the modern day internet, where we have anybody can log in, anyone can participate, anyone can build a website, um, you know, 
anyone can build a blog, anyone can build an app, etc. So let's talk about how is this applicable for people. You have Facebook, you have YouTube, which is Web2. These are centralized companies that use a, a certain specific tech stack to build their technology on the internet. Web3 has different ideologies. And it's not a binary where like, well, it's this way or that. No, no, there's a spectrum. Web3 has the philosophy of how do we empower end users and how do we increase the spectrum of decentralization? This isn't binary like, well, 100% decentral. No, 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 no. There is a spectrum and the spectrum changes over time. But the primary thing is like, how do we first empower? When we say by power is we want you to have upside in the network that you're using. So the reason why Facebook is free is they make a shit ton of money off you because they sell your data to advertiser. The reason why YouTube is free is no different. The reason why any of these platforms, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, et cetera, is you are the product. Mm -hmm. You're spewing personal data left, right, and center, which they sell for a shit ton of money for advertisers. At the end of the day, what Google is, is a glorified ad engine. That's it, period. They make a shit ton of money from, and then Peter Thiel talks about the, the funniest joke with Peter Thiel is like, at the end of the day, you haven't really innovated shit or made something new. You're just a fucking ad network. That's it, uh, period. You're the, one of the, the strongest ad networks, but you're just an ad network. Um, and so that's what Web3 promises, and it's going to take a very long time, but it promises to first focus on privacy, focus on you having the ability to monetize the data that you have and focusing on how do we actually create more of a censorship decentralized platform. And this is going to take a very, very, very long time, but eventually we'll get there. So that's kind of like web three in a nutshell. And so, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to have for a long time, a hybrid version of both. It's not going to be, I'm just going to jump into this. And this is kind of what brings me to dollar cake, where it's like, I started talking uh, with the, my co-founder and uh, CTO is Mike. And I'm like, man, I love, I love fucking honey, man. I love the simplicity. I, I love, I love everything about it. And we started, and he's, he's one of the first people in the world to try to attempt to build, it was called Suplo to build a standalone social media blockchain platform in 2014 before all this crazy shit. So he oh, has wow. a lot, a lot of experience, like if not the first one. And so we started talking and we're like, man, how can we do this for YouTube? Like the honey thing. I started brainstorming back and forth. And basically what we came up with is like, we figured out a way to use web three technology, smart contracts on Ethereum to overlay natively on YouTube, uh, to monetize, monetize user interest, both for the creators and for their subscribers. So we have different phases of dollar cake, but in essence, what dollar cake allows, at least phase one is it allows YouTube creators and their subscribers to split revenue from our ad network. So what you're doing is it's, it's going to be like a plugin that, uh, Chrome, Firefox, Opera. Yeah. And so both the creator and the user would put it on or. Yeah, everybody. The more it, so it goes, there's a square root. The more people that download to use it, the overall greater network effect, and the more upside there is for everybody. So, um, so that's interesting. So you're not trying to build your own YouTube. You're kind of overlaying this thing, which I think, yeah, like building. Everyone says like, "Well, build your own YouTube," but you know, no. that's like so such a monumental task. So, uh, you're. Are you displaying your own ads from yeah, people? Yeah, so we have our, we have our own ad network. Well, we we work with a very specific 
network of different ad networks that we've worked with in the past. And basically how it works in a nutshell is you download the plugin, you log in and you say, are you a creator or you a subscriber? You pick your path, right? You have to validate your account with YouTube Authenticator. So you have to have a YouTube account, whether you're a subscriber or whether you are a creator, right? Okay. Read-only access. So we just, we just want to validate that you're part of the YouTube community. That's it. And basically, you install this on your browser of choice. And how it works is we control the real estate of the browser. So we control the right side of the browser. We control the bottom of your video of the browser. And we interject very specific type of ads. So video ads, surveys, and quizzes around your pre-existing video. That revenue that we get, the CPM that we get from those ads are split between you as a creator and your subscribers. So isn't so what makes this different from the YouTube model where they do you take a cut or like in what incentive would someone have to it doesn't this seem to like just in just the same thing but in an alternative way but I guess smaller creators could do it or where's the difference so we're using a whole different token economy for this so the problem couple of problems that we're solving is ad fraud is a huge problem so for example for you to even participate as a subscriber you have to have skin in the game. That means you have to stake a token to even say, yes, I want to participate. Like for example, let's say I download dollar cake. So we'll simplify. I download dollar cake and I'm like, I love what Justin's doing on his channel. And yeah, I want to earn some money. Maybe I'm going to earn like five bucks, 10 bucks a month, but I'm already watching his stuff and I want to support him. I have to then stake cake token on your channel. And we've made a beautiful UI UX. People can go check out my Twitter. We just released a brand new UI as of this morning. Like it's flaw. I fucking love it. It's so simple. <laughs> You click bake, you know, we're under the cake team theme, you know, it's kind of fun. So you click bake on Justin's uh, channel, all, all real time, right in the browser and you stake your token. What this does is a, I have skin in the game. B uh, decreases ad fraud, which is huge. Our ad networks love this. The fact that a real human being has to stake a token to even have participation with the ad network. And basically what this does in the future is the dollar cake protocol network earns CPM ads, uh, CPM revenue from our ad networks. And that now gets split between you as a creator and your subscribers. Okay. That's, uh, that actually is really cool. I didn't realize. So like not only is the subscriber making money, but the viewer is able to generate their own revenue from participating. So that is one big difference. Uh, now there's this project, uh, there's this brave browser that I've heard of. Like, yeah, but I've also been kind of, hesitant to do something like that because I'm like, okay, like, uh, I go and sign up this thing, but like, who's going to want to use brave tokens and, you know, hypothetically speaking, like, is this an also a concern or like, what kind of tokens are you using here? We have our own native token in the protocol and we're very different than brave. So I know the brave ad network very well. I think one of their issues is ad fraud as well. Uh, I think there's a bunch of stuff they can do to improve their token design. I think right now them just as a payment token is flawed. And if they're listening to this, I hopefully they change that model um, as well as it's very different because I'm approaching this from a, as a YouTube creator myself, uh, fixing my own problems, B as an entrepreneur and C as an advertiser. So I'm seeing all different angles when it comes to this. So with the dollar cake network, we're now focusing on everybody. We're focusing on a very specific group of people, which are YouTubers. We're only starting on YouTube, nowhere else. Maybe we're in the future will expand, but for the time, time for the time being is just YouTube. Okay. And basically the problems we're solving is we want to help monetize your subscribers. We want to help you as a creator to earn more revenue. And we want advertisers to have better conversion rates from your subscribers. 
this is phase one. I can't really go into phase yeah. two yet, but we have a lot of things baking in the background. Uh, but we're a firm believer in ship fast, get feedback from our community, iterate, ship, go back and forth, as opposed to creating something all at once. Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's really interesting that because this is a problem that you're solving for yourself from all angles and whether it's someone uh, who can't do Google AdSense or like I remember when I first started, I actually just enjoyed making videos related to like music and all different types of stuff. But even today, like if I made a video discussing a music video or something, it'll get uh, copyright claimed and uh, I can't mm -hmm. monetize it. Mm -hmm. specifically so there's still now, other not now you can monetize those non-monetizable videos yeah i think that's so like the whole idea of uh alt alternate forms of monetization is something i love uh because like you said youtube it's got the organic reach you can't really mm -hmm. like if you can't beat it join it but sometimes you have to take responsibility of monetizing yourself if you're going to try to make this a business it's really hard but. i think always i think youtubers are just rely unless you're like the logan pauls but if you're just relying on youtube as revenue or income you might as well shoot yourself in the foot because they can turn it off tomorrow yeah yeah you had a video on your channel i think where you talk about like having multiple legs of any business you're starting otherwise anything you have to be anti-fragile relying on just relying on youtube is insane like that to me and i know many that do but like i get it like you might you might be making an extra four or five k which is huge you know that's like life-changing money for most people in the world but tomorrow youtube's like hey we're retroactively uh taking away half your videos because of copyright claims and that you see it every day happening right now or like we just don't agree with what you're saying and now you got two strikes in a row and you can't even protest these strikes which we see happening too so if you're building your business, uh, let me say this. If you're building a business and you're at the mercy of some arbitrary human being at the end of that conversation, and that human being has their own biases that can click a mouse button and change your, your, your whole life, uh, that's too fucked up for me, man. I would never, ever put my eggs in that basket. Yeah. Yeah, like I know I've got all my, I've got a lot of eggs in a basket, but you know, I think it's important for everyone to at least have their own web, like website domain, like www. Build your own website, build up your email yeah. list, man. Build up your email list. I, I started my uh, online uh, journey in affiliate marketing with fucking ClickBank eons ago. Like I'm 35, 25, 20, fuck. Oh, wow. <laughs> wait, wait, 35, 25, 17 years ago. Like eons wow. ago, like f long, long fucking time ago. Uh, I always tell people, get affiliate marketing. No risk to you. They've done the funnels. They've done the sales. Your job is to drive traffic. And we started using YouTube back in the day for that stuff. It was a gold mine. But uh, start getting the affiliate marketing. Uh, start getting uh, your email list building. Uh, start building a community. Maybe uh, I don't recommend Patreon. Build your own fucking thing. You know, use Wistia or use like Vimeo or something like that. Host your own videos. Wistia is better. Or like Kajabi and create your own kind of membership platforms or use ClickFunnels, etc. Um, at the end of the day, start creating, a, you know, I like to call it start creating your, and James Schramko came up with, start creating your own racetrack. You want to own your own racetrack where you own, where you own your own horses. Yeah. Uh, so even as someone myself who's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into different cryptocurrencies and studying this space, but even yeah. myself, like you've said a lot of things that uh, w uh, for one, like where can someone research 
if they want to learn more about this, like staking and smart contracts and uh, like, you know, what should someone know going into Because I think with, with cryptocurrency, a lot, a lot of people still like maybe 99% of people still are like, all right, well, that's all scams. That's all like, is that something that it, you think about? No, it's not our job to convince people. So if you look at the adoption curve, there's really early adopters, there's early adopters, then it's becoming normal, then eventually becomes late stage. And there's you know, people who adopt it very late. Um, one of my favorite articles of all time is Kevin Kelly's 1000 true fans. Yeah. So it's your job as a business to first focus on the 1000, 1000 true fans. So for example, with dollar cake, man, we have, I can't tell you how many fucking YouTubers we have lined up. Like we're, we're launching a couple of weeks uh, test net first to audit everything but man we have like literally hundreds of fucking youtubers ready right now like i want to use this now their audiences crypto finances we don't have to educate them obviously we're gonna have a you know we're gonna have a huge educational portal talking with people that's that's a given but at the end of the day they're not coming to us like well man what's uh <laughs> what's a theory uh, man you can come later <laughs> i like that yeah well, yeah, uh, like the laggards, the the adoption curve. That's interesting. I, and, uh, you know, this is something that I, too, have uh, always thought of. Like, I have a, I can just kind of see a channel and I, I always wish I could invest in that channel or like, I wish I could buy. And, Why do you and say that? So we bake that in to Dollar Cake, where if you're the first person to stake cake tokens, on this channel, you take the most risk, you have more upside on all the CPM in the future. That sounds really interesting because now the way to invest in a channel would be to like, you know, reach out to them, build a relationship and invest in that way. But it would be funny if it was just like a stock market, but for you, no, channels, no, there's, there's no, other token, pro there's other token protocols like a, a social role, um, who are trying to, uh, tokenize individuals. And we're definitely going to be partnering up with them and making some composability. I'm not yet 100% sold on an individual token because it doesn't represent the greater ecosystem of that person's empire. It just represents like, hey, we have this token in the silo over here, but does that token represent the value in your merchandise? Does that token represent value on your uh, uh, digital sales? It doesn't, you know what I mean? Until that token somehow has connection to your greater ecosystem that you're building then i don't think so it's that valuable as of yet yeah so yeah so i know you said you're still like um you're about to launch the beta so if anyone wants they can check it out on twitter dollar as a dollar underscore cake or yeah, yeah, dollar yeah. cake i'm sure you can find it and uh look i mean i'm looking forward to checking it out now and actually seeing how it works uh but the whole space is really interesting like you said it's still really early um it might be like a hybrid but I find that really interesting and all the possible future ways someone can monetize. But if someone, so like if someone was to like, so with Google, you get paid your AdSense check on the 21st or like once a month. Right. And it sends to your, how does, how would this work? Do you cash out when you want? Do you, uh, do you pull your stuff out? It's an, it's, an, it's a, so for you to participate in the ad network here, there's a minimum 30 day baking period. Once again, for ad fraud, everything we do is to help everybody. A, we want to reduce the token uh, uh, token velocity. 
B, we want the advertisers to feel comfortable with certain YouTubers. Uh, C, the longer you stake pretty much states I have utmost value for my YouTube creator. So if I stake for three months with Justin or forever, I'm like, I'm putting my skin in the game. I want to see Justin grow. Both of us in this relationship will have greater upside because we're staying in this as long as possible. Um, so that that's, that's it. And now for cashing out, whatever you want to call that, it's a non-custodial wallet. You can do whatever you want. You can go to Uniswap. You can non-custodial. It's yours. We don't control any funds whatsoever. That sounds really, really interesting. So yeah, it's uh, still developing, um, but I'm looking forward to that launch. Uh, and uh, you said another interesting thing. You've been doing this for over 15 years, different types of creating and whatnot. And there's, as someone myself who's also um, been in this online creating space on YouTube, specifically online education, I've found some of your contents on like uh, basically, you know, the education system as a whole, really interesting because I, I personally did go to college. I did graduate. Uh, I did have some student loans, I, but ultimately now I'm just kind of doing my own thing that I was doing anyway, since I was a kid. And, and it's funny, I'm, I'm also teaching myself online. So it's like, I am the online educator now. If people understand the history of where our school system came from, our Victorian model school system, they understand it's a scam. Period. Um, the greatest scam, though, it's not even the education itself. Because let's say it was 100% free and you weren't in debt, whatever. You know, it's like they taught you shitty education. You lost a couple of years of your life, which is f pretty fucked up. You know, <laughs> time is the most important commodity there is or resource. But what's the most fucked up thing, both for Canada and the United States, is one, tuition's backed by the government, and two, you can't claim bankruptcy on your tuition. So let's say um, you start retiring. So in Canada, we have a Canadian pension plan. In the United States, you have social security. And if you own student debt, guess what? Your social security, they start chopping away at it because you own it. So basically, it's indebted slavery, um, servitude. And so basically, we have a school system which puts you into slavery because you're indebted for life. It's impossible. You're not going to really pay back that money, to be honest. Uh, we have now up to $2 trillion in debt and student loans. Uh, above all, what they teach you is a joke in my mind. Zero real life skills. Like, listen, I love history. I love philosophy. I don't need to pay $100,000 to go to school <laughs> to learn about philosophy because that doesn't make me fucking money. I read everything. I love Aristotle. I'll read about Nietzsche, Jung, Freud, like Joseph Campbell transformed my life. Nietzsche, Jung, these guys literally transform how I think, man. I have older encyclopedias and books on my shelves. I read them all the time. It's not like I'm, it's like, like you walk out of fucking university. Oh, I'm going to become a, you know, uh, I'm going to get somehow a job right now. I'm a philosophy <laughs> major. You got one job, maybe a teacher. That's it. You know what I mean? Like now you're in debt 80K. <laughs> so it's like what the world is moving so fast. Times are changing very fast. The very notion that you have to spend five years of your life memorizing things, that's another thing. The whole system of regurgitating facts isn't, doesn't make you a smarter person. It doesn't give you critical thinking skills whatsoever. It makes you a good little fucking robot. Oh, well, on this date in 1976, <laughs> this shit happened. What the fuck? How the fuck does that help me? You know what I mean? Like, what? You know, my, so, wife's a doc my wife's a doctor, right? And so, like, 
yeah, you, you need to go to school. You need to go to university. Then you got to go to medical school. So it's like eight, nine years. Shit, you know, 30,000 years tuition. Uh, and still at the end of the day, 90% of their tests is regurgitation. But when you go to a doctor's, like they, they literally every doctor, they have encyclopedias and, and all the knowledge on the computer and they pull out their book. It's not like they're fucking pushing the shit out of their head. You know what I mean? The whole model of regurgitation yeah. is an obsolete model. And so I think our whole system, uh, like I think, I think um, parents who are pushing college university are really putting their kids in a disadvantage now, like massive disadvantage. Yeah, I think it's important. So like immediately when you say all that stuff, I know there's going to be, there seems to be some instinctual thing in, in so many people that's like, no, that's like irresponsible what you're saying. Like, uh, but I never said it, once, don't stop educating yourself. Yeah. And I think you, you, what you said is really important. I, I also, like, I love reading. I love philosophy. Like I've got, I've got like 20 books right here off the screen. I've got like hundreds of books and it's funny ever since I graduated is when I actually started like truly having the time to sit here and read Plato or sit here and read Aristotle. And like, not because it's being assigned to me, but because I'm actually curious about mm -hmm you know, oh, wait, they've been thinking about this stuff for like a thousand years and like, and we're, we're going to die one day and all this stuff. Um, so I, the one thing I want to make clear um, is I think education is really important, but what you said is true. Like technology, not like we have internet now and we have Google and we have YouTube and, and you can't just ignore that. Like it is there and, and it is, 90 it wasn't there. Of people they go to bachelor's of arts, 90% stats. Yeah. Take a that's, minor what, that's what in I history, did. A major in environmental studies, whatever, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, and they go into debt, you know, in Canada, it's not as expensive as the United States, but still in debt, you're paying like 10 to $15,000 a year, depending on what you take. That doesn't include board and, and residency and all that shit. That just tuition. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't even include books either. So you can round it up 20, let's say 20 K a year for whatever. So you leave uni, you know, 80 K, and you got this minor major in Bachelor of Arts. And uh, I've had many people in my life. I asked him, I'm like, I got companies. A lot of my friends have companies. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I never went to high school. I got kicked out. I said, like, what the fuck is this shit? I started hustling when I was fucking 14 years old. <laughs> None of this shit made sense to me. It's a joke. And I'm like, I'm going to make, I made more money as a kid than any adult I knew. Um, and I'm like, what am I hiring you? Like, okay, you left. You left school. What the fuck am I, what are you, what skills do you have? Like, like, what am I hiring you? Environmental what? Like, do you, do you go to marketing? Do you know, like, sales? Like, do you like, what are you good at human resources? Like, are you like, what, what are you doing? This, and like, they can't answer that. And they start at the bottom. They get some internship. I mean, you could have skipped that four years of that shit, save that money, buy yourself uh, gold instead or Bitcoin and, and started your internship instead right out of high school. That's why I'm like, I'm bullish on like trades. You know, I used to be in the construction industry as well, electrical yeah. and, and, and residential, massively bullish on trade, mass, massively bullish on farming. Uh, out of all the trades, farmers are the most in demand right now. So we're having, because what's happened in North America is the farmland has become so lucrative, the physical asset of the farmland, that the kids that are inheriting the farmland, they don't need to farm and they don't want to learn to farm. You know, they're great great grandparents bought the land for 10k uh I, i'll tell you i won't name names but i have a friend of a friend their true story their grandparents bought the land for ten thousand dollars in ontario and that land right now is worth about 6.2 million 
which the grandkids will inherit from their parents, right? So why should these, the kids like, well, I'm inheriting $6.2 million with the land. I'm not going to fucking farm. The fuck is this? You know, I'm going to sell the land. And so we have a <laughs> massive shortage of farmers, like huge. And uh, times are changing. We're getting into regenerative farming, circular farming, uh, bioorganic farming, which you, which you can make way more profit on an acre of land as opposed to like traditional farming, where you're just focusing on one type of livestock or if you're doing monocropping, which is detrimental for the environment, detrimental for our health. So we're, you know, what Joe Salatin talks about this regenerative far farming, um, you know, like really good profits in that. And so like, that's huge opportunity. Like I tell people get into farming, you'll be richer than 99.99% of your friends fucking guaranteed. Yeah. And I think it's important too. It's like beyond just money, like sure. We can talk about like making money, perhaps like going to trade will still probably be better or, or farming or whatever, but even beyond making money, like taking the responsibility of the education into your own hands like I think there's this magic curtain or this magic like ceiling that people have in their heads that like you can't learn something if it's not in a certain environment or if it's not given to you from like uh, a professor. Is there? I think I think people are just brainwashed. That's it. At the end of the day, they're they're a brainwashed and b don't like to take risk. And that's the majority of people we have today. Where it's like, okay um you know it's too it's too hard for me to do this by myself oh i shouldn't start a business oh i shouldn't do what i want to do i'm going to take the easy path you know uh, there, there's a famous saying from joseph campbell he who thinks he know doesn't know he who knows he doesn't know knows and so you have a majority of people who think they have a blueprint for life like oh yeah my life is solved i'm gonna go to uh, uh uni i'm gonna get a, a bachelor of whatever and i'm gonna go join you know big four auditing company kpmg or whatever and my life is set little they know they're a fucking commodity. They can get their ass fired any single time. They're nothing special. They're under stress all the time. And they follow the Joneses, right? Um, I rail all the time on like how real estate for millennials is the dumbest investment possible. I'm not against real estate investment. I think if you do it right, you are, you can make uh, you can quite lucrative and I do it myself. But the whole notion of, I, I'm going to follow everybody. I'm going to keep up with the Jones. I'm going to go in debt $700,000 and have my overhead be like $8,000 a month, but yet I'm only making $6,000 a month. I think the whole idea is like a lot of people are, are, are in a malaise in the stupor where they're never paused to think of like, is this what I want myself? Like, what do I want in life? Like, what do I care about? What makes me happy? Like what turns me on as opposed to like, well, I'm doing it because of my culture. I'm doing it because of my religion. I'm doing it because of my parents. I'm doing it because of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's never because I'm doing it because I fucking want to do it. Because this is what I want to do. Yeah, that's really important. Like, you know, a lot of things. I think I wasn't old enough to, like, my parents were saying this and that. And then once you get old enough to finally, like, grow, build the confidence, like, to do your own thing and take your own risks. Um so, I mean, this, the school system now is like, like you talked about hiring because you hired people and, and, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not, I haven't really hired people, but, you know, I've had people help me on certain tasks and jobs and I never, I mean, you should, like, I like to look for, especially in this creative industry, like, uh, just show me that you've done this, like, show me that you can do this and that you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I mean, like you said, with the web two and web three thing, perhaps it's not going to be a binary switch. But do you, I do feel like the old way of like having the credential of this resume that's been filtered that and nowadays, I think even some big companies like Google and Facebook are 
They probably saying, said they don't care anymore. Yeah, and that you that was something that you know people would say like, well, companies are going to ask you for this, but now it seems like if you just say, listen, I, I'm 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 primarily speaking for the North American market and primarily in the startup land and even like the big corporations like in in Canada you got uh, Shopify, we have a bunch of you know big tech companies. They're all public about it. You know, it's like we at the end of the day. What companies care about the most is talent acquisition, right? Human capital. And they don't give a fuck if you just woke up underneath a rock. If you're really good at what you do, they'll hire you. End of story, point blank. Um, hell, man, this is the whole reason why we have Headhunter. They hunt the best people around the world, regardless of what fucking diploma you have. Uh, that's at least North America. I know I have business associations in India, which is still a little bit different. India is still formal, where it's like, I need that diploma, but Things are changing, like even within the tech industry in India. Um, and obviously, code is a little bit different. If you can code, you can code. You don't have to convince. Just show me your GitHub. Show me GitLab. Like, let me see your your code set. And at the end of the day, you know, you can you can talk all you want, but just show me your work. Uh, but even in, in in India, in the tech sector, it's changing. Like people are like, we just want performance, right? So I think the world is kind of waking up and realizing that like, you don't need a traditional path. I'm not telling you don't go to school. I'm not telling you anything. Don't even fucking listen to me. I don't. I tell people never listen. Don't take my advice. Like, please don't listen to me. But I think everybody should really pause and audit what they're doing in their life, why they're doing it. And if they're following everybody else, that should kind of ring bells for them. If you follow everybody else, that equals mediocrity. You're a commodity. If you're following everybody else, there's no differentiation between you and the next 50 million people doing the exact same thing. And so I view it that point is I view it that way. It's like if you're an individual and you're thinking about going to school or if you've gone to school or if you're working in a corporation, at the end of the day, listen, the most important thing, and we just said this, is time. You and I are going to die. We might die today. I don't fucking know. Whatever. I might die tomorrow. I might die 50 years. I don't fucking know. Whatever, you know, we die. Don't, don't lose that time. Time is the most important thing. Um, one thing, hopefully, and, and I'm hopeful for it, and I see the stats, I look at the data. I'm not an optimist, I'm not a pessimist. Uh, I'm a pragmatist, where it's like, I look at the data. I'm like, what does the data tell us? <clears throat> and obviously, data is not black or white, where this is the 100% truth, but gives us a general notion of what things are going on. Cool. And so the data today is uh, people are now more interested in community-oriented type of living. Uh, here in Ontario, <clears throat> and so I have an estate about two hours north of Ontario, which I'm, I'm moving into right now. Um, we have property sales increased by 66% north of Toronto. All right, so if you guys aren't familiar with Toronto, it's fourth biggest city in North America. We have about 8.5. We, we call us like the little New York. So we're huge metropolitan, super expensive real estate. is about like 550 to 600 square foot. Uh, more expensive than Vancouver. Not as expensive as San Francisco, but still really expensive. It's like $1.2 million for a detached home with no garage in Toronto. So just imagine that cost. Um, and so basically what the data is showing right now, people are fed up with like, well, before COVID, what I was doing, spending an hour and a half in traffic one way, an hour and a half traffic the other way, losing three hours of my life, working crazy fucking job, 
not saving anything because of my mortgage is 4,000, my insurance, my car, my cell phone bill, my maintenance, my taxes. Like I'm up to deck to here for what? Like, how's this living? Cause someone told me to, I need a fucking house. Get the fuck out of here. This is insanity. Like, like if you keep on doing the same thing and I don't know, I think Einstein said this or someone said, if you keep on doing the same yeah. thing and you're expecting different result, that's the definition of sanity. You're spinning the same fucking wheel over and over again. And so what we see now, the data is telling people are like seeing the silver lining. And this is what I hope, at least for COVID, there's always some benefit in darkness is people are like, I'm done with this shit, man. Like if, if, if remote work is becoming status quo, which thank God, finally it is becoming more accepted, you know, uh, why am I going to kill myself? I want more of quality living. I want more deep-rooted connection with my community. I want a simpler life. I always tell people this, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, we still have some hunter and gatherer tribes today, like in Papua New Guinea, Amazon jungle, etc. You look at their life; they have 12 hours of leisure time a day. 12. That sounds pretty nice. <laughs> Human beings are meant to play. We are. We are not in the. We're we're not wired for chronic behavior. We're wired for acute behavior fight or flight, sympathetic versus parasympathetic system. And so when we're hunting, we are, we are in a very acute period of time. It's not like we're hunting for a month. We are hunting maybe a day to four days. We hunt, we grab our food, we come back. Hopefully it's a big catch. That catch might last for like a, a week or so, or maybe a couple of days until the next catch. The women are there playing with the children. They're gathering foods. You know, they're, they're the social cohesive glue of that community. The men come back. And after the food is caught, which is the most fucking important thing, right? That's the number one thing for survival is sustenance for your body. I chill. I play. All right. So play is missing from our life. And I, and I, the, the early data at least showing us that people are slowly snapping out of this. And I'll, why I bring up uh, cottage country is 60% plus sales in small cottages since COVID. Where people are like, I'm opting out, man. At least for Ontario. I don't know anywhere else. I'm just paying attention for yeah. the data over here. But people are like, I'm done. Why am I going to be spending this much money on a house or a condo in Toronto? I can sell this, buy something, pocket money, work for remote, be closer to nature, um, focus on getting healthier foods from our, my farmer. Like people are at least, you know, some people are snapping out of this, uh, this haze, this stupor that we've been in. Like, you know, it's, it's, at the end of the day, big city living for what it's worth for majority of people, it's a scam. It's way beyond their means. It's just, un, it's unaffordable and there's no community. I remember the most miserable time I was in my life. I lived in a condo. Yeah. Uh, we had to move there while my wife finished med school because we didn't want to travel. And I agree with him. Like, fuck it. We'll buy a condo across the street. And we did. Like you can throw a paper plane to the school. So she walked around in PJs right to school. So we bought a condo there uh, for four years while she finished med school. And uh, I fucking hated it. I want to shoot myself in the face. I'm like, I, I couldn't stand it, man. Like, you understand, like I grew up in like big land and, and, and this, like I grew up in the outdoors. Um, and I, I didn't know my neighbors. I never fucking saw my neighbors. I didn't know my neighbor to my left. I didn't know my neighbor to my right. You know, we had different schedules. Uh, they were nocturnal. I'm a morning guy. I wake up at 5 a.m. I go outdoors and I come back. And these guys are the opposite. Who knows? That guy could have been a sociopath. I don't fucking know. That guy, the next guy could have been a silver killer. I have no idea. But there was no community connection there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When and, and this is what we're the normal state of human beings. We're tribal. You know, if you look at Dunbar's number, 150, give or take, uh, we cannot create deeper rooted connection past that number. And we're missing out on that type of tribal community. And there's that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. I just had a daughter, she's eight weeks old. 
And I'm learning that firsthand, you know, thank God we have extended family. They're helping us out without them. I'll fucking go bananas. And this is what's happening today. We've been sold a dream since the seventies as nuclear family move to the fucking burbs. You know what I mean? Go into debt, have one kid and a dog and be by yourself and do the same fucking thing for the rest of your life. Wake up at 5am, get in your car, go to corporate America, come back, check in, check out, blah, blah, blah. That's fucking, that's, that's the definition of health to me right there. Yeah. That exact thing where I'm doing the same thing, living as a fucking robot. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, you said so much that's, uh, I think some, a lot of people might say, well, this guy is crazy. Like that's never going to work. Like I'm sending my kids to school, but I think if one person listens to this and at least like is like maybe that kid that's in college, even now they're paying online tuition and, and thinks like, you know what? I am not really living my life for myself. I think that sometimes you need to be like extreme, get it in their head. So that do you, they... do you live for somebody else or do you live for yourself? The, 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 number one curse, the number one curse we have is people don't so much, so much pain could be alleviated if people really love themselves. You know, people are in toxic relation. Oh, I'm in this relationship. Well, if you loved yourself, you wouldn't be in it. You would leave if you loved yourself. You know what I mean? Well, I'm finishing school for my parents. No, 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 no. If you loved yourself, truly loved yourself, you, you would do this. So if you love yourself and you view yourself as an investment, no different than a business. You do everything you can to make the best choices for yourself. And if you're miserable 90% of the time, you don't love yourself. You wouldn't put up with any of that fucking shit. Like your tolerance level should be very low when it comes to shit that disturbs your happiness, that disturbs your flow or your Buddha nature, as we talk about. You know, and pe most people die by a thousand paper cuts. Going back to the uh, boiling water analogy one yeah. cut two cut next thing you know they're cut everywhere like what happened to me they would they wake up they're 48 years old about to get a divorce broke in student loans and they've never done anything in their fucking life that they wanted to do that's the norm that's not that's not the outlier that's not you know the, the from the bell curve left or right no that's the fucking norm everybody right now yeah that's so I yeah it's like <laughs> I mean how do we it's like there's so much but like you can't fix society you don't fix anything. and like Rumi one has a saying snap. yesterday yeah. I was clever I wanted to change the world today I'm wise I want to change myself the best thing you can do is work on yourself you know uh, human beings we uh we we learn from mirror neurons that's how babies learn the quickest right monkey see monkey do it's not what you say is what you do they copy your behavior your aneurysm your speech patterns they they uh, humans visualize not just baby but babies just do it faster and more efficiently than as an adult this is why they can pick up language and why even if you don't speak another language so i, I speak two uh, technically one or two other languages but even if you're not fluent in other, just having tape recorders or like playing a youtube video of another language with a baby helps their neuroplasticity as, as, a, as a baby. Mm -hmm. And so um, think of an adult. Um, uh, I don't know what he says. We have an adult over here. We take this adult. We pluck them from the United States. We, we pluck them in Iraq. They're going to behave differently. They're going to start then copying how people behave in that community in Iraq, right? Um, basically, at the end of the day, we are the product of environments. We have our hardware, which are genetics, which pre-program us a certain way, right? And that takes us to, uh, that gives us, let's say, a baseline. Then the rest is nurture. 
right? How you were raised, the trauma that you dealt with, how your parents were, social economic class, uh, your cultural beliefs, your religious beliefs, geography matters, all these things matter, right? They all matter to how you view the world. Uh, but all this can be reprogrammed. All this can be altered. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like, hey, Justin and Amir told me to love myself better. <laughs> or they told me to be better, right? Um, <laughs> There's never, there's, 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 uh, there's never an end. Uh, the, the journey is what you need to enjoy. Right? Yeah. If you say you got to the end, you're not the end. You're just, a, you're at the start of a next journey, right? It's the Ouroboros. It constantly, uh, it's a cycle. It's a fractal of life. And that's what people need to kind of look at. It's like, you need to love yourself. You need to work on yourself. You know, the Japanese saying Kaizen, you know, 1% today, uh, small things that matter. And I think people kind of try to do too, th too many things at once, you know, pick one thing at a time. It can be like, hey, maybe I want to uh, increase my fitness. Well, gyms are closer now. Maybe you can do five push-ups one week, 10 push-ups next week, 20 push-ups progress. You know what I mean? Um, and so th that's the thing, you know, if I had to summarize what we just spoke about in, in one word is like, I think people are just on autopilot in life. Right. They, they've been told stories and stories is what creates perception of a reality. And these stories are deeply ingrained, ingrained in you and they become your ideologies of life and ideologies are, are viruses. Um, let me refrain that ideologies that are static are viruses. I don't think there's anything wrong with an ideology, right? What's wrong is the inability to evolve from an ideology. Right. So there's certain ideologies. To, you know, there's a saying yesterday vices are today's virtues. Today's virtues are tomorrow's vices. Right. It's a cyclical cycle. And at one point in human history, a, way, a certain way that you believed and behaved was quite beneficial to you. Now, if you fast forward that and you put yourself in a different time period in a different geographical location, those belief systems might not be beneficial for you. So that's a, that type of ideology. Yes. At one point was good, but not great today. You need to adapt. You need to evolve that. And so it's always about uh, updating your philosophies, updating your stories, the narratives in your mind and not being static. You know, Muhammad Ali had a saying, um, it, it, if the man views the world the same as he did, if the man views the world same as he did at 70, as he did as 20, he's lost 50, uh, he's lost 50 years of his life. Yeah, I think I've heard that one. Right. And so most people go through life like that. It's like, well, I was thinking this way at 20. Now I'm 70 and I think the same way. So you're telling me in 50 fucking years, <laughs> you didn't pick up a few things? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, th I think um, that's the beauty of like having a conversation like this. Uh, is you know some people might say like in, in school at least you get um exposed to different viewpoints so i think this this conversation if anything should should like well, i don't know about today people... man but woke, woke culture man you're exposed <laughs> to their way or no way oh no you didn't think like us cancel you yeah uh um yeah i think like you know it just goes to show you like even you can you can still expose yourself to different viewpoints like different books especially throughout time like uh like something i mean you're referencing a lot of books like you know uh if you only engage with what what is modern what is today like written today in the past 20 years 50 years like 
you know, are you really exposing yourself to different viewpoints versus what's written 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, you know, mixes of different cultures and geographies and different places, because that is so, uh, does sometimes I think like, you know, who would I be if I was born like in France in 1600, <laughs> like who knows? Um, Oh, I think about this all the time. You know, my, my family's from former Yugoslavia and, uh, you know, we had the civil war, we got fucked in world war two. We got fucked in world <laughs> war one nonstop war, bro. Every, every generation of my family, people have been killed. So I've lost numerous family members, every single fucking war, uh, poor country, uh, all, all the former, uh, Yugoslavian states. And I always think about, man, if I was, you know, if I lived there and I went to, I would be like straight gangster. I don't give a fuck. The only way for me to survive be fucking like a fucking warlord or something like that. You think I'm going to be like bend over and take shit from me? I don't give a fuck. Like I'll do what I can to like survive in this shit, man. Like I actually think about it. Like if I put myself yeah. in a certain position, like how would I, how this environment, because you know, you're genetically programmed in a certain way. Like how would I evolve or, or, or kind of, I wouldn't even say survive, thrive. How the fuck would I would look at thrive? How would, how would I become the fucking top dog? in this place. And so yeah. I always, you know, people talk about like the Nazis and always comes back to what's that law. There's a certain internet laws. Oh, everything comes back to like Nazis. Um, but people's like, people always like, Oh, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised that Germans did that. I'm like, really? You really don't understand human psychology then. You know I mean, like people, when people tell me, Oh, I'm surprised people are capable of this. I'm like, fuck man, you should really read psychology and history. If you're really surprised why people behave a certain way, like you're really, you're surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's for me, it baffles me when people are like, oh, I would never do anything. Oh, really? You would do nothing. Uh, Trust like me, that you fucking do something. Well, yeah. Then they do that experiment where they put people like, uh, oh, in Milgram, the, the Milgram experiments. Yeah, yeah. And they like had them shock people, and it was the average person just like shocked people like to to experiment. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know the guy. The guy's an actor, but you don't know he's an actor. And you're given power and you're following authority. And you don't know the guy that just told you to do that. You just met this guy. And this doctor comes in. He's like, no matter what, doesn't matter what he does, just keep on turning it up or shocking him more. But you don't even know that guy's an actor that's getting shocked. And these fuckers kept on shocking him. Yeah. I think so that they didn't I mean, even that... think, they just listened to authority. Which is a good metaphor for like exactly a lot of stuff that you've brought up and that, that we've been talking about. Like, uh, I think in um, like wrapping up this uh, interview, I think it is, like you said, don't take advice from me, like never take advice from anyone, but at least think, start thinking truly maybe for yourself, even if that means something crazy, like, well, maybe something I've been told my whole life, like, this certain path perhaps i can do something else um yeah I, I don't want any i don't want anyone to like think we're just recklessly saying like oh just just drop out and just like do this and just like whatever but at least i think it's very beneficial to at least examine what you're doing and make sure if you can't answer why you're doing it then think about like why you're doing it you should at least know why you're doing it so, I mean, you seem like a very driven, motivated guy, I guess, wrapping up here. Uh, I mean, I'd love to ask you tons more like uh, books that you'd recommend or books that you're reading or what you're working on. But people can um, 
first find that these projects that you're working on like dollar cake that's your, your main focus right now i'd guess uh, online and they can also follow you on youtube and twitter to yeah, see what you're Twitter's talking about i'm most active i'm shooting the shit there shit talking on twitter yeah and, yeah uh, if you like this type of uh energy definitely check out more of amir's stuff but uh yeah any final thoughts that you're kind of working on or something you'd like to close off with mm. Is that Greek saying for every finger that you point at somebody three point back at you. And uh, I think it's applicable in today's time where we have this like victimhood mentality where everybody is trying to escape goats and it turn it goes into um, Rene Rajard's theory of amesis. And one of my favorite books of all time, I recommend, and I try to read it uh, twice a year is Victor Frankl's men search for meaning um, hands down top 10 favorite book, simple message, powerful message. Uh, it has to be regurgitated constantly to kind of ingrain into you. Um, I think what's missing today is a lot to do with our hijacking of our psychology from social media. And uh, I said social media, internet, because social media uh, AI engineers have really fine-tuned how to hijack our psychology since uh, 2012. And we seldom take a pause to reflect on our own thinking. When I say something, uh, whether it's online or in person, am I as an individual, am I as Justin or Amir saying things that I've thought through, that I've investigated, that I've actually thought about, or am I just a record box regurgitating other people's opinions? And this goes to the thing that we spoke about where it's like um, really understanding yourself, auditing your situation and looking at, hey, the actions that I take on a daily basis are, is this what I care about? Is this what I want? Am I actually using the best use of my time? Because at the end of the day, guys and gals or whatever, we will die and you will blink and you will be in your 50s and 60s and you will be like the majority of society could have would have should have fucking regrets don't be one of those people awesome uh well thank you so much for coming on the show taking your time uh i really hope this episode i'm sure this got got people thinking at least sparked different ideas which is which is awesome and uh if that doesn't guys... work psychedel psychedelics is always good too <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation yeah <laughs> uh i was reading um what was that book uh Michael the Pons. doors of the doors of perception uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah um that sparked the band name the doors i have Huxley's a michael pollen dope, man. book yeah. but i i haven't read the michael pollen book yet but uh yeah just like yeah reading go read some books too uh psychology is really interesting but yeah if you guys want to check out the uh uh the the full episode you can watch it on youtube you can listen on spotify itunes etc i'll leave all the links to amir and, and different channels in the links thank you guys so much for watching and i'll see you in the next episode